Do you feel like mindset has any kind of impact on, is that a causative factor with what we experience in our practices at all? Yeah, look, I don't know for sure, but my sense is that it does. If you look at it, having been in practice for a long period of time, there are periods where I guess there, you are more focused and on purpose and in periods where you are less focused on, uh, on purpose. I think there is a magnetism created by having a mindset of service. Mm. that pe people will either consciously or unconsciously go there, there for me. The stories that we're hearing in the news about this deadly killer virus, and there he is, ready to go to work. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Good morning. Good afternoon and good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. We've got a round two here of uh, an opportunity for me to sit down with two of my dearest friends, two of who I think are, are not only fabulous chiropractors, but amazing individuals. And I think too, gents, as, as I'm recording this right now, this is still the most downloaded episode for the year 2022. So um, there you go. I've awesome. got... Dr. Martin Harvey, Dr. Tony Croak here with me. Now, I've actually changed the order of those around because, Tony, I went you a lot first last time. So right. um, Martin was upset with me with that. So this time around, it's Martin and Tony, precious. not Tony and Martin. I've, Guys, I've welcome to the recovered. show. Thank you. Thanks for... I'm going to just dominate now. I'll come out hard. <laughs> yeah. so I'll just sit here quietly. Me. Yeah, that's probably a good use of your talents, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Thanks for having us along. I'm looking forward to it. it um, yes, me too. What I wanted to do today, I, I reached out to you guys last week because I thought it would be fun for us. The last time we had one of these episodes was episode 114. It was March 27th here in Australia. And it was the week after we'd kind of really Australia-wide and certainly Victoria-wide gone into isolation. So everything was really new. There was massive amounts of uncertainty professionally and community-wise as, as well. At that stage there, we, you know, both Martin, you and I had kind of seen closer to maybe a 30% drop in our practice that first kind of week or so, Tony about half that um, as well. Now, when I kind of reached out for us to have this conversation last week, everything was kind of sailing along pretty well. And then since then, Victoria has, the state that we're in has had significant increases in kind of corona and we're back in lockdown again so all the things i thought we would talk about and celebrate are not um uh, uh, you know are not going to be there so um maybe martin do you want to uh, what i want to talk about in fact why don't you give a bit of a summary of where things are at the moment so as yep. the date of us recording this kind of 11th july do you want to give yep. it a summary of what's happened over the last couple of weeks leading up to now yeah, so I guess if we look at it across a couple of dimensions that might be useful, we had, I look at it in terms of, we in Australia had the fortunate position of just getting to keep practicing. There were some changes in the way that we needed to do things as far as having, um, spacing things out. So there was social distancing and increased cleaning, but the imposition I think was relatively mild compared to what a lot of people around the world had where they could either not practice at all or only see people in emergency situations and right through to having to wear sort of complete apron mask the whole 
PPP sort of thing. Um, so that's been the case really up until the last day or so where, um, as of yesterday, I think there's more of an emphasis in Victoria to, uh, we've had gone back into a lockdown as of Thursday and um, as of yesterday, Friday, they were talking about maybe in situations where you can't socially distance, people should be wearing masks, which is really the first time that's been recommended. Um, so parallel to that, I guess the other thing that I think is this might be useful to talk about is kind of the temperature or the attitudes of the people coming into our practices. Um, so in that very early stage, I think we spoke quite a lot about on that March call that there were a range of people. There were people who were very, very stressed and concerned through to people who were pretty much, you know, it's no big deal. Um, and I guess that what I would have seen, and I'll be curious to see if you guys saw the same thing, was that as numbers eased in Australia and we seem to be, have missed the worst of the situation that has been in other areas, there was sort of a, and as uh, restrictions started to be eased, my sense was that people were much more relaxed. We had a lot of people who had self-isolated, people who perceived themselves to be at high risk who were coming back into the practice and just the general vibe was a lot more relaxed. Um, my sense in, is in the last couple of days, that's changed, it's reversed a bit. There are still probably that same division. There's some people who are more anxious and there's some people who are pretty relaxed, but I think that temperature's turned back up, probably not to the degree that it was initially. Uh, and then kind of riding that wave, we've been pretty fortunate really. We have that initial week where we dropped by 30% and then we pretty much kind of snapped back over a couple of weeks to where, you know, overall from a practice perspective, it's been pretty good for us. It's been good from the perspective of getting to help people um, when they were stressed and looking for help. And it's been good from a you know, volume and uh, so on perspective through to, we changed the way we keep statistics in our office about five years ago. And so June was the biggest month that we've ever had in that five years. So, mm. um, you know, it's pretty, I guess that's a snapshot of what my experience has been. Yeah, interesting. And I want to dive into that um, a lot deeper as well. I'm interested in chatting about why do you think that is? But um, one thing I just want to kind of touch on through here as well is that the lockdown that we're experiencing here in Victoria um, is very much in Melbourne. So, you know, both Martin and I have kind of inner city practices and Tony's kind of out of town and at the moment everything is okay for Tony. So there tends to be kind of these very specific kind of areas that are locked down as well. So Tony, in terms of your experience through that kind of first run of lockdown, much different to kind of add to what Martin kind of had there. What was your experience of, of how it played out? And we had, we had two weeks after that initial set of restrictions came in like you guys are back into now. Um, and just to clarify, I'm, yeah, as you say, out in the uh, pristine country air and therefore uh, uh, not, not um, copying the restrictions you guys are. But, uh, um, yeah, we had that same kind of momentary drop, I think I said probably 15-ish percent um, for a couple of weeks. Um, our June, similarly, I just did the numbers then, is 27% uh, bigger volume than last June. And I'd have to have, have to have a look back, but I think that would probably make it our biggest month in about, I don't know, six or seven years. Mm. So, 
um, uh, yeah, fairly similar experience to Martin's. And, and I think there are a number of reasons for that, which we can probably dive into in a second. Yeah. Because like. so let's because all three of us have, in essence, what we noticed with our practices is that, is that we had initial drop. Mine for March ended up being 19% was the number from there too. We had uh, record April, record May, record June. Like, so all three of them. Um, and, but he, so my experience, um, okay, so you guys would have chatted with lots of chiropractors over this last three or four months. Um, of the chiropractors that you've spoken to, have they all seen kind of initial drops and increases like that? What kind of things are you noticing from the practitioners that you've spoken to? Go on, Martin, you go first. I was holding back. Um, so <laughs> my sense is that it, it's not across the board, that there are some, there are a portion of chiropractors where that is the case. And there's um, other chiropractors who have, who have and continue to really, really struggle. Uh, and that, that uh, for, there's a number of them that in Australia, the kind of government support package that kicks in um, JobKeeper and those sort of programs kicks in if you drop 30% and just being across a couple of social media discussions inside chiropractic forums seems like there's a significant number of chiropractors who have mm -hmm. been able you know been able to or been forced to claim JobKeeper um, so yeah I, I don't have any real accurate sense of what portion of that is um, I have a client who works for um, HICAPS, which is sort of across allied health, a claiming agency, um, and they get data about what's happened in allied health generally, and uh, their sort of estimate, and this was probably halfway through that 12 or 13 week period, their um, estimate was that allied health was probably down about 40%. Right, yeah. So Tony too, is your experience with the chiropractors that you've spoken to as well that not every, I'm, I, I guess what I'm angling towards here as well, because I'm interested at this, I, I imagine Tony that your, your experience is the same, not all the chiropractors that you've spoken to, the practices have no. grown. Right. No, I'm, yeah. And one of the things I've noticed is actually we've had a lot of people who have changed from other practices to ours. Yes. Hmm. So, because I, I want, where I'm heading to with this too for our listeners is rather than this being some kind of um, big dick competition of mm. look how fabulous no. stuff has been. Yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really interested to get your thoughts on why do you think that has happened in your practice? Has your growth been um, about uh, reactivations of patients? Have you seen more new patients? Have you been doing something that's meant that your practices has grown? That's where I'd like the conversation to be for the next little while, if that's okay. So Tony, do you want to kind of go from there? Mm. Um, we haven't done any um, different marketing or any, anything like that um, in this time. I've just been a bit busy managing yeah. um, just the, the hurdles of, you know, what are the rules this hour, yep. you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, Tiff, my wife and I keep saying, we probably should do some something, um, uh, but we just haven't got to it yet. Um, I think what we have done is through our um, internal and external communication and external is primarily Facebook and a little bit of Instagram mm -hmm. um, and the odd email we send out 
here and there, but not very, like it's nothing, nothing uh, consistent. Um, that we've just been maintaining connection, not specifically around, you know, uh, COVID-19 stuff, but just uh, making sure that we um, are communicating what's going on in the office and grateful for and what's going well. Mm. Um, and every now and again, just reminding people that we're um, meeting and exceeding all the requirements to keep them safe in terms of infection control and yep. managing all of those things. Yep. Um, and really my main strategy has just been to be uh, very, very focused on maintaining a connection with the person that's on the table in front of me. Um, and we haven't done much else. So if you, what, what do you put down, you know, this record June? Like if you mm. were to say, why do you think that is? I think as a chiropractor, I look at a, a population that's stressed um, and uh, often working with bad ergonomics because they're at home, hunched over their kitchen bench on their laptop, trying to I talked to a guy this morning who works for Qantas, who is trying to buy um, an Airbus online. As um, in a, the, 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 as right, in right. an A321. Right. Um, uh, he said, That's, that has its challenges. You know? I said, yeah, I, I think uh, this watch that I bought is probably my biggest online purchase. You win. Um, so, uh, you know, that, they're working with those kind of levels of, of stress and tension um, and, uh, and they're stuck at home. So uh, coming to the chiropractor is a chance, A, to get outside to have their stress load and their, and their ergonomic um, stresses uh, counted. Um, and I think we provide a level of clarity and certainty around a number of issues for them that mm -hmm. is very attractive when there's a lot of stress going on. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when there's a lot of uncertainty, people gravitate, gravitate toward clarity and certainty. And that's something we've worked on for years. So. Mm. So what about you, Martin? So again, record numbers there too. Um, yep. Have you done anything different and well, why? Probably similarly to Tony. Um, we, my kind of analysis of it really was that um, we needed to almost over communicate to our database. So we haven't done anything in terms of sort of broader outreach. We haven't looked at it as this is an opportunity to get out in the community and talk to the people who aren't part of our community really, but we just, we tried to be in touch with our community as regularly as we could. We probably differed a little bit strategically from Tony in that we probably did more email than uh, more email and texts than anything mm -hmm. else. So yeah. that ranged across a bunch of different. And so the part of that was really just the idea that there was a bit of confusion about what was allowed and what wasn't allowed, what was, what they, people were permitted to do, whether that, whether we were still open or not, there were a lot of people who had mm -hmm. no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we needed to be very aware of we're very, clear you know we're spending a lot of time working out the specific implications for us yes but most people are very well occupied working out what the specific implications are for them and so we mm. needed to just have very simple ways of communicating it and so we really just 
kept repeating the message of we're open, essential service, we're yeah. cleaning, um, we've got social distancing and we're screening people. Just that reassurance that it's a safe place to come. We're doing all the, the stuff and looking for... And then on top of that, we did some things that, similarly to Tony, if I look at the things that we didn't actually do anything, but I think drove some of our growth, we didn't have an increase in new people, particularly across the whole... We had one month where we had very high... Um, new client numbers relative to normal, which from memory might, was either April or May. Mm. And looking into those numbers, it was partly what Tony was saying, where there were other options that people might normally have chosen for a particular issue to see somebody else. But there were a number of other people in our community who just shut down or mm. were forced to shut down, ranging from massage therapists, some of the myotherapists, quite a few of the physios in the area. I'm pretty sure all the chiropractors in our area kept going, but mm. the number of the osteopaths and other people who might be in the kind of consideration of people, they didn't come in. So um, we had one month with that, but by and large, a lot of ours was just being in touch with people frequently, I think drove a lot of reactivations and that combination mm. of what Tony was talking about, people being stressed, ergonomically stressed, having to homeschool or uh, you know, remote learning or whatever the euphemism for dealing with screaming kids while you're trying to work at the same time is. Um, mm. that, that was all happening. And uh, there was also a bunch of people where it's, they had more time in terms mm. of, you know, they were at home around the corner from the practice and, or even people who travel a little way, the traffic in the inner city Melbourne has, was not an issue for mm. months, whereas normally that's a consideration for people. So there were people who may have been less active with their care who were like, oh, actually, this is a really good opportunity for me to reinstate my care and reprioritise. And there was a portion of those people who I think it was that consistent messaging over a long period of time that how your body works influences everything, including how resilient you are. So there were a lot of people who were at home with more time than they might normally have had. And also that just, I guess, awareness that we've built up communication-wise over a long period of time that how your that chiropractic can help you help your body work better. And if your body works better, then that affects everything, including your ability to be more resilient in these sort of circumstances. So I guess in terms of a take-home thing, if there are people in other circumstances where they're just getting back into operating uh, and haven't had exactly our circumstance, and you've always got that, that consideration of do I want to, I don't want to over-communicate to people, I don't want to bombard their inbox or their social media feed, I think this is one of those circumstances where a higher level of frequency is is a good mm. idea. You know, you might be doing double what you might normally think of as a mm. normal kind of range of where that sweet spot is. Mm. I think, um, you know, with our practice, we our strategy was two things, first of all, was to let people know, first of all, 
uh, in fact, there's not even a priority of these. We wanted to let them know that it was safe to come in, that we were taking yeah. these extra precautions. Um, and what that looked like for those of you that are wondering is, you know, wiping the tables after every uh, adjustment there, um, hand sanitizer on the way in, we were wiping our hands, washing our hands after every adjustment as well. We spread out the chairs and we spread out the appointments if need, but we were able to kind of really manage around that. Mostly it was kind of chairs, table washing, all that kind of stuff there too. And the second thing we wanted to let them know is to be really clear that it was legal. They weren't going to get in trouble for coming in as, as well, that this was under one of those essential service sort of things too. And I mean, we did, we doubled our communications in terms of that message was very consistent across our email, our social media platforms. And it still has amazed me. I've had of recent patients dripping in over the last month that said, oh my God, I didn't know you guys were open. It's like, wow. Like even still, you know, with regards to that, that also... It, um, I wonder this because the other thing that uh, the three of us had kind of mentioned on the first one there too was also this concept. It really felt to me to be one of those times that felt like an incredible privilege mm. to be a practitioner. Um, yeah. Because I, I, the, the stress that was on people's body, there was this emotional uncertainty in the world they were living in. And then there was just this postural stress that was happening from, as you mentioned before, Tony, really shitty workstations, people, couches, beds, those kind of things there too. And so it, that I, I was to get up each morning and the mornings I was heading in there with that real focus of today's a great day to go in and kind of serve as well. Those things. Do you reckon, did do you feel like mindset has any kind of impact on, because I know that, that, that mindset was similar for all three of us. We've spoken about that independently. That's what we, you know, we felt very grateful for the opportunity to be able to, to do that as well. Do you reckon that has any impact on, is that a causative factor for what we experience in our practices at all? Yeah, look, I don't know for sure, but my sense is that it does. You know, that if you look at it, having been in practice for a long period of time, there are periods where I guess there you are more focused and on purpose, and in periods where you are less focused on and and uh, on purpose. And to me, that service of others is kind of the the core of the times that you're most. Uh, on purpose and then that tends to translate into you making decisions to prioritize certain things and also communicating that to your team and if all those actions are aligned I think it gives you the opportunity to to be more likely to grow mm. I do think I don't want to you know I'm reluctant to then by implication say the people whose practices went down weren't on purpose because I sort of I think there's a lot of different dynamics here mm -hmm. As far as, you know, I'm very fortunate that, you know, you and I, Angus, are in a, an area which is probably socio-demographically less impacted by where most of the job losses are. The, mm. the, the core of our practice isn't people who are working in restaurants and cafes and beauty salons and all the things that have just been smashed by the, the restrictions that are here in Australia, that most of the people that we take care of are in jobs that have kept going to a fairly significant degree and so mm. i'm certainly a beneficiary of that and i don't want to claim that it was all just me being more on purpose than the guy whose practice went down yeah because it's interesting because if we look at that your and my practice would you would comfortably say is in a middle to upper class certainly from an, yeah. an economy point of view there too 
Um, I don't, but if we go out to our Lara practice out there too, then, you know, it's definitely yeah. not that, and you know, it's no. middle to lower. Um, and things have been gangbusters there as, as well. So, and there has Ooh, certainly been that, you know, it's, it, I've been interested with it as well. And you're right. The kind of reason I ask this question and Tana, I like your thoughts on it too, is that, you know, I, I've had experiences in my life where I felt incredibly focused about practice and for lack of a better word, on purpose, okay? And stuff just happens in there. It doesn't feel like I'm taking any action and stuff happens. And then I have other days too where, you know, there's a whole bunch of stinking thinking and, and maybe my thought, maybe if it's not even stinking thinking, but if I've got lots of work to do with Adio and I'm really focused there, I can get into practice and all of a sudden, you know, 50%, not 50, but a large number of my patients cancel. And um, yeah. it, so it, it's hard for me to explain this without getting woo-woo. And I don't like to get woo-woo. It confuses me a little bit as, as well. What's your thoughts, Tone, on the whole kind of mindset, headspace, law of attraction, what we've experienced in our practices over the last few months? I think there is a, a magnetism... Uh, created by having a mindset of service mm. that pe people will um, either consciously or unconsciously go they're there for me mm. they're not there for them um, and uh, I think just turning up to work um, and standing next to your table ready to go people look at that and go well shit you know the stories that we're hearing in the news about this deadly killer virus and there he is ready to go to work to mm -hmm. take care of X number of people a day. Um, and so a lot of people see that as very selfless. Um, so at a very base level, there's that. Mm -hmm. Then I have to say that this has been the toughest time in my practice career. Like for all of the, you know, the great growth we've had, um, it hasn't just happened. It's been freaking hard work. And primarily it's been emotional work of, um, cause my practice is probably a bit of a mix of, mm. of, uh, your Lara practice and, and your city practices, uh, your Martin, um, where we've got a bunch of people who are in great jobs who like to live 45 minutes out of the city and commute in. And at the moment they're working from home. And then a bunch of others who work in the airline industry or, um, mm. You know, that sort of stuff who have been smashed, you know, um, uh, but are still coming in. And um, so it's, again, that kind of being there to, when they cry, being there when they, when they express their confusion and um, fear and uncertainty and um, putting a hand on their shoulder and looking in your eye and going, that sucks. And they go, yeah, it does. And I say, well, let's check you and at least deal with that aspect of your life and make sure that's okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, loving them and caring about them and listening to them talk. Like I, I've got a couple I've taken care of for 26 years. So they were in their sixties when they started care Husband is now 91 and he's just gone into a nursing home. Mm. And it is the shittest time to go into a nursing home. No one mm. can come and visit you. He had a Zoom call with his 90-year-old wife. Like, <laughs> that's shit. Like, yeah. who wants to be doing that? 
Yeah. You know? So, um, so there are all those little stories that one after the other, you know, in a procession through your your door come in, and that's a lot to it's massive for each of them to manage, but it's a lot for us to kind of be living in that day to day, you know. Yes. Um, and so I think one of the things is I've been lucky to have been married to or been married to, and um, you know, Tiff has has been um, great in terms of uh, helping me manage that emotional load, um, and uh, I guess reminded me that I don't need to fix it for everyone that I just need to hear them and, mm. and feel with them. Um, uh, but that means a lot to people as well. Yeah. And, and I think as much as um, people love to get their spines and nervous systems cleared out, they also like to have someone in front of them who's a real human being who gives a shit. Yeah. So, um, so that's been a really important part of my work since March, mm. even um, more than ever. The three of us, I think it would be fair to say that personally, and, and I, I don't want this whole, I, this whole podcast to go down the COVID conspiracy path. I just don't think it's valuable for our listeners as well. But it would be fair to say that our individual personal beliefs about what's being done and how it's being done, um, that we've probably left a lot of those at home when we've gone to work. Would that be a fair kind of assertion? A hundred percent. I guess I'm pretty emphatic that I think there's a really big opportunity to alienate people, confuse people, scare people, give them a negative impression of the profession by trying to be a, a revolutionary on something that is very easy to be misinformed about. I think Mm. virology and all the other things related to it like i'm interested and i'm skeptical of uh, a lot of the mainstream perspectives um mm. and i'm interested in are there could there have been better ways of doing this mm. but i think we need the humility to sort of go yeah this there are some of the smartest people in the world who have come to certain conclusions and there's a complexity to it that i don't pretend to understand and I think that we can add to a message. We can yes end that message. Say, yeah, look, I think mm. it is really important that we do things to re- protect vulnerable people, to reduce their exposure to the virus. And for those of us who aren't, we probably also need to be looking at the resilience of our body. Like we can still be true to a chiropractic message without coming out as yeah, uh, being a, an anti-message. Mm. Tyne, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that um, how we got here is less important as what we do now we're here. Yep. Um, And uh, I look at um, uh, the example of your Martin's gym is closed. And is it next door, Martin, the barber that's open? Um, Yeah, just around the corner, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a barber around the corner. We can go get a haircut and have you know, eight or nine people sitting in a small room, about as close as you can get. Um, but, you know, Martin's 300 square metre gym is closed. And yeah. they've been super careful about all of their hygiene practices. So I look at that and go, mm, in an environment where um, regular ex- exercise has been proven 
to be a booster of immune system function, let's all get our hair cut, but not go to the gym. Yes. That doesn't, the, the logic there leaves a bit to be desired. Um, so I look at that sort of stuff and go, oh, it's crap, bullshit yes. idea and da da da. But it's not a conversation that, that adds anything to anyone's life because the rules aren't going to change because I yes. stamp my feet. Yes. So, um, so I just, I, I don't have that conversation with people mm. um, other than that sometimes people go, isn't it crap, blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, look, sometimes the logic's hard to follow. Let's check you. Yeah. Yeah. You know. My, my approach is I, I've asked a lot more questions. So when people will say, what do you think about all the situation? You know, I will come back with something vague, like it's confusing. What do you think? And then rather than me trying to lead the conversation, I'm really happy to be led in a direction. And so if someone's a little bit more educated about what's going on, then, you know, we can talk a little bit more about some of the inconsistencies there as well. Um, if someone's being very fearful about it there too, then I can really, join them in a level of compassion and care, um, not confuse them any further there too. So my, my philosophy throughout this, and even more than normal, you know, then you guys are both great at this, is ask a lot of questions there too. And then, mm. you know, a little bit of that kind of pace and lead. But where, where are they in the journey? And um, it's mostly not, not been to kind of go through that as well. So, Tony, if you were to think about, uh, and same question coming to you at the moment too, Martin, maybe a couple of key take-homes that you've learned over this last 16 weeks, both personally and professionally, what, what comes to mind? Um, the last few years we have really drilled down deep into how do we create a connection visit to visit? How do we, how do we make what we do um, remarkable, uh, uh, enlivening, for the person who's experiencing that and, and to deliver that in a really loving environment. And there, there are three kind of measures of how, we can, how can we be remarkable and enlivening and loving. We worked that out in a series of team meetings a, a few years ago and said, if we had to you know, describe ourselves in three words in our ideal practice, how are we doing it? And that's, that's our measure. And so we've, we've really worked on that for the last few years. And, um, and so I think it's been really validating that um, in an environment where it's really challenging for everyone, um, even those people who are in a really great situation in terms of their personal circumstances, they're still carrying the load of this whole mm. thing that's going on in the world. Mm. Uh, um, uh, that um, despite all the distractions that exist, they're still coming in to get their spines checked. And uh, yeah, I had the experience this morning of uh, had a, a lady come to see me from uh, uh, the inner northern suburbs of Melbourne, and um, and then walked in onto the next table, and there was a father and, and daughter who had come to me from out western suburbs of Melbourne. So they both had to come through a police checkpoint to to come and see me because they'd gone from the lockdown area mm. in, in greater Melbourne out into the regional area that I'm in. And, uh, and so Jane said to me, um, because oh, I had a funny experience, got pulled over. Um, and the policeman said, where are you going? And she said, I'm going up to Gisborne to see the chiropractor. And he said, no, oh, that's funny. The last car load of people said the same thing. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> who's this chiropractor? What's going on? Um, 
oh, he's pretty good. You should go and see him. So there's this conversation <laughs> happening at the police checkpoint. Um, and it was these, these two families came in sort of one after the other. Um, but people are willing to negotiate that sort of, mm. of um, emotional duress because no one wants to. I got pulled over by the police yesterday going to visit my daughter down, in, uh, down on the surf coast here in the west coast of, of Victoria. And, um, you know, it's not, it, it, I don't think there's ever a great time when you wind your window down and say, hello, officer. Like, it's just, there's a level of kind of tension and stress that comes with that. But people are managing that to come and see me, which I feel really kind of grateful for. And like I say, it's a real validation that people put it high enough on their list of priorities to, to climb over that hurdle to, to get here. Yeah. And then, so I guess that's kind of prefer personally, has it, is there, what's it meant to you this last 16 weeks? Um, How have you grown? Personally, I have, um, I think, been reminded of the value of what it is to be a chiropractor and, and felt just so, so freaking grateful that I get to do a thing that, that helps people. Mm. Um, in their circumstances um, and it's reminded me to be a better listener at home um, you know, sometimes I leave my best listening at the office mm. and uh, come home and, and don't do that so well so mm. um, uh, and it's you know it's been a stressful time for my kids for my wife um, she's had to work from home most of the time mm. um, uh, and counseling someone over the the uh, internet isn't quite as um yeah. as pleasant uh, an experience as it is when you're face to face um with you know admin support 10 meters away as opposed to you know in a different location so uh, she's been doing it tough um mm. as well so um yeah so it's reminded me to bring that um, presence of mind back home mm. and more. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and it's got me focusing on simple things, you know, getting fit, yeah. fitter. Um, uh, where possible, you know, maintaining social connection, uh, even though we may not be, you know. Show off. <laughs> <laughs> He's just teasing us now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even, even stuff like this is great. You know, like, like we, yes. yeah. We, we had the joy of a couple of weeks ago, you know, having a, uh, a meal together, the, the, you know, the six of us, uh, you guys and our, our wives, and, and it was great. And, but even this is great. Like, it's just nice to be able to have a chat with you guys again. And, mm. and uh, you know, I look forward to the next time that we can crack a beer in person. But, uh, yeah. What about yeah, you? Just um, our local friends. You know, it's good. What, what's, what's been so the uh, lessons? Probably... A bunch of similar things, but probably the additional lesson that's been big for me is I feel like generally I'm somebody who doesn't typically get super stressed. It's like just not, I'm uh, probably dangerously optimistic. So I assume that things are going to kind of work out and, uh, you know, I'm more surprised when they don't. But, and I think sometimes that makes it harder to be, to empathize with people who that's not their default setting. And so they do tend to ruminate and be more concerned about things. And I guess that there's that 
almost cliche that, um, you know, focus on what you can control. And mm. that has been a big lesson for me because I have been more concerned and stressed and, and had that period of being worried about, well, when is this going to finish? When is this going to end? What does this mean in terms of my practice? What does this mean in terms of these vulnerable people that I feel like I've taken care of for 25 years or so? And just all of those things that were uncertain. And, um, and then trying to be helpful for those people who were stressed and uncertain coming in and not sure what they should and shouldn't be doing. And so to me that both from a communication perspective um, with them and in terms of communicating to myself, in terms of my self-talk, just focusing on, well, look, what can I control? What can, do, what can I do that, that I enjoy doing? What can I do that's useful? What can I do that's productive? And, and that same template across to people coming in where they're like, I don't know what's, you know, what's going to be happening. And it's like, well, we know what's likely for, let's do an adjustment today and then let's set up a time for then. Let's, how about you try these exercises? Just, these are all things that we know that we can do right now. So I guess the biggest lesson for me is just kind of zooming in a case of uncertainty, both from a practice perspective, from a health perspective and translating to what I need to do for myself and what people in my practice need to do. Let's look at what we can control. Let's look at what we can do and focus on those things. And I think there's a real liberation in that where uh, there's a lot of, like we've just gone into this more recent lockdown. And I think the added dimension that from an emotional perspective is there's a feeling of frustration that this mm. really didn't need to have happened. The first mm. time it felt like was a unavoidable tidal wave from across the world. Whereas I think the temperature that I get in Victoria is certainly my own feeling and the feeling of a lot of people coming in was if a few people hadn't have fucked it up, we would have been out of this in a situation similar to the rest of Australia's states. Um, and so there's that added dimension of frustration and irritation and the flip side of that, that feeling like, oh, well, I just want to, I shouldn't have to be being restrained. Those people should be. And so there's all that stuff. But it, to me, just drilling down on, all right, well, what I can do is have a great call with you. What I can do is do this for clients in the office. What I can do is get back into reading more because that's something that you know, I haven't done as much. All those sort of things. Mm. What's the balance because I, I feel that this situation forces us towards presence because of the unpredictability. It's probably the only spot that I can find uh, a little bit of emotional security is just staying present with what can I do now there as well. But then in the same time as well, Martin, to, to continue on, where do you think this is likely to go? Your best thoughts there too. And what, what are you planning for in the future? Because I know it's, you, you know, as much as it's good about, yeah, yeah, just one day at a time there too. Yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I think of it as thinking in terms of probabilities. Like I don't really know which way it's going to go and I don't know that there is anybody that does. So I guess I'm still operating on the assumption that sometime in the next three to six months, this will come out to a point where we're starting to get back towards some version of what pre-COVID life was. Um, and that could be longer than that, or, you know, maybe some miracle that makes it shorter. And we're not particularly planning beyond 
let's just keep doing these things of, uh, that we're doing at the moment because there is just that unpredictability. We, we're working on projects that we feel will, that are, it's a quarterly project that we know no matter what happens, we can work on over the quarter that will put us in a better position moving down the line, but we're not really planning anything mm. that requires things to change. So we're not doing a, or let's plan a community outreach where we're getting 200 people from our community in a, a local theatre for a health presentation. We're just saying, look, anything like that that requires a return to large groups of people, we're not planning on that. Mm. Let, let me dive a bit deeper. I want to give you some specifics here. It's slightly uncomfortable to think about for three pretty optimistic dudes too. So at the moment here and around the world, certainly in the Western world, the economy is being held up and supported by a lot of government support schemes. Here in Australia, we mentioned a number of them beforehand. So a lot of businesses are treading water or holding on because of that. And clearly that government support's not going to hold on forever you know the estimates are here in australia that probably we might not be traveling internationally for a couple of years there and there are predictions that it's hard to see that there's not even more significant a financial crash ahead of us um even as an optimist there as well so given that that is a very real possibility are there things that you're even thinking of for your you know i mean all of us are certainly towards the middle part of our careers. Um, you, you could say, if not the second half of them, if I'm being conservative there, I don't know. I mean, it numbers there too. But are you thinking about that? Is that in the back of your mind in terms of, hmm, being conservative? What are your thoughts in around that concept in specific? Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly thinking about that. Um, it's, I, I certainly don't take for granted that how things are now will be how they'll be in October. Mm. Um, so, so we're being you know, really conservative around um, yeah, our budgeting and keeping that super tight um, and looking at how that all works to, um, to ensure that we're not kind of going, Oh, it's great. You know, mm. biggest month ever. Let's do this, spend that, whatever. Um, that's been helped because there's nowhere to go and <laughs> nothing to do. Um, so, you know, I, my family and I love to go skiing, which, which is a, a freaking expensive sport. Um, and a couple of days ago, I'd been told that the ski fields won't be open until maybe the middle of August when the current lockdown in Melbourne is slated to finish. But who knows, you know, mm. where we'll be then. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm not. There's not a lot of outgoing at the moment, and even if there was the capacity for that, I would. I'm, I'm being pretty mindful that uh, you know it is what it is right now, but it might be different. Yeah. Um, the day after uh, everyone's job keeper payments stop coming through, um, and you know, whilst people have a real and demonstrated level of loyalty to our practice, um, I'm not going to expect that anyone's going to toss up between buying food for their family versus coming to see me. Yep. So when it comes to that, to that kind of crunch decision, then, you know, we'll, we'll be, you know, a little bit down the track from, from uh, paying the groceries. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're certainly mindful of that. Mm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that the answer to that is um, to be as indispensable as you can be with every visit, you know? Um, yeah. And I was saying to my daughter yesterday, um, who's she's just started in five weeks into uh, to working in a new practice and, you know, just talking about that, that really simple step of, okay, tell me, Angus, what, what's, what's brought you in here? Um, and then, okay, right. So that your problem is on it. Cranky neck and tingly fingers, for example. And then go, right, well, you feel that area there at C6, that doesn't move very well and it's tender, isn't it? And they go, yep. And the test this muscle and that's weak. Okay, right, I think we found your problem. Um, now let's image that in the appropriate way or do some more tests and demonstrate that we've got a problem that we can influence. Um, uh, and then I you know, enlarge that picture by saying, you know, those nerves that run this also run these organs. Often we'll find people will notice some change there. Let me know how you go with that. Let me know what happens, you know, under promise from that perspective. But really zoom in on being technically excellent so you can demonstrate there's a problem, make an intervention with an adjustment, uh, whatever else it is that you do, um, and then be able to post test and show this is now better. And that matters to you because, you know, you're a guitarist and you need your fingers to work or you know, you're a mechanic or a bricklayer or whatever it is they do. Um, and every single time go, you know, here's what I found. Let's do this. Great. That's what I'm seeing now. That matters because what's happening now is um, the research shows, you know, prefrontal cortical activation, um, you know, those types of conversations I'm having all the time around, you know, we don't need our hind brain stimulated anymore. So, you know, they're being stimulated enough by the news and current situation. So let's get that spinal tension out of the way so that any hind brain stress is external, not internal. Yeah. Um, and, and every single time that's my, my goal for every visit um, so that, when it does come that people have to start pruning their budgets that you know, we push up toward the top. Cause I think that's where we should be. Yes. Um, not, you know, I don't say that, you know, cause I want to protect my business. I do, but um, because I want to protect them. Yep. You know, and I know for myself that when I'm stressed, I want to get checked more often, not less. And it, uh, I think it's it, good for them too. I, I think, um, <clears throat> I've had, a, I spoke about this on an episode that would have come out kind of last week or so, this concept of value. Um, mm. And there was, because I, I was always about, you know, how do I deliver more value? How do I deliver more value? And I, as I, a number of years ago, kind of got some distinctions in around what money being finances is it's stored value. So therefore, if I want more money, all I got to do is deliver more value. But I had somebody a few weeks ago just give me another slight view on this is the interesting thing is, is I'm not the one that gets to decide the value. No, My customer no. does. And it would, no. it, I went, ah, and it's, it just, it, it had me realize because the three of us understand the value of an adjustment. We're like, yeah, man, like we're saving lives, man. You know, it's line and spines and mind, like all that kind of stuff there too. But if you're not, we don't decide the value of it. It's not up to us. So how do we, increase the value the perceived value and all those things there tony i think you did such a beautiful job for it and it's a, a constant reminder for me that it's not enough for me to go i'm delivering more value what i need to actually 
work out from there is, are my patients receiving more value? Because value is totally subjective. You know, what do you want? A hundred bucks or a liter of water? Well, that depends if I'm in the middle of the Sahara desert, I want the liter of water. Mm. So there is no inherent value in anything other than the story that's around it and or the circumstances that are happening there too. And so it's been another thing too in our practice. And, you know, Martin is arguably one of the best in the world at helping people along that journey from meeting them where they're at and taking them to that next step there too. I'd love to know your thoughts on that, Martin. Where, what, what's, what have you got to add? So in, in regard to sort of communicating in a way that helps people recognise value, the first sort of principle I think you've nailed there, which is value is, is based on the, the, their perception. And mm. really when we're talking about value, um, there's kind of levels of value. So essentially we need to look at people making the decision, as Tony's pointing out, is this worth the time, money, um, energy, and also emotional cost of having a period of care. And when we talk about emotional cost, there's a whole lot of other ramifications. So if you look at that scenario that Tony's talking about, if you are part of a family and let's say you see yourself as the, the mother who is then the caretaker of the rest of this family unit and the whole family unit has less resources, less money, and are you going to come in for care that's, that you feel emotionally is you being selfish, that you should just toughen up and put it so that those resources can then go in a way that aligns more with your perception of yourself. So we need to recognise that emotional part of it. And then once we recognise that emotional part, some of the communication structures that Tony were talking about, if, we're, if we are present and we're listening to what people are telling us about, people want to talk about the things that are important to them. And so if their conversation is about uh, their role as a mother for, to, go, to extend that scenario, then kind of one of the most powerful communication strategies is to connect that having chiropractic care is important for them to be able to look after the rest of the family, that you can't give from an empty cup, that when you're under this much stress, it's great that you're coming in so that you can then be more resilient and present and emotionally in the right space to be able to look after. So we need to be sensitive to that. And so I, I've said like a couple of different examples there because like you said, with your water and the Sahara example, we ha we value things differently contextually. And mm -hmm. so um, Kahneman's done a whole lot of research that shows that in general, we will value solving a problem or avoiding a loss 400% more than getting something, an increased value. So if people are coming to us with, I've got this problem, I've got my cranky neck or whatever else, there's a lot of value in, in not then leaping to our chiropractic, but chiropractic's about the unfolding of your innate potential. Well, that's, that's a quarter of the value, even if they're interested in it. So um, we want to sort of meet people where they're at. And then the bridge to that is where it uh, flips over to positive things being more valuable for people. Uh, um, to, to switch examples, if you look at somebody who's a keen golfer, the average golfer in Australia spends more than $3,000 a year on 
stuff to do with golf on equipment and coaching and um, going to driving ranges and all those sort of things. They're never going to be a professional. It's, but the, the reason they're willing to spend the time, money, energy and the emotional resources to do that is that it aligns with something that they either love to do or they see as their role or identity to do. Because the things that we love to do or we see as our role or identity to do, when we invest time, money, energy, emotional resources there, we don't see it as a cost in the same way. We see it as an investment in the things that give our life meaning. So Tony, you know, knowing him, a big value for him is family and a shared family activity like snow skiing. He's happy to invest the time, money and emotional resources, energy, etc., in that because it aligns with something that he sees as that he loves to do, but it's also aligned with his identity. Um, and well, so I'm going to start playing golf now because it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I guess that if, if we look at that, then we've got to be looking at how people will tell you what's, what, what, what currency would be valuable for chiropractic to help them if we ask them questions, if we listen to them rather than trying to bombard them with, you know, Cairo speak. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful thought. Gents, on, on that uh, powerful kind of ending from there too, um, uh, uh, let's finish this up there too. Thank you both for uh, uh, just, uh, again, sharing your, your wisdom in that too. There's been a, a, a lot here. And I, I'm, Martin, you kind of brought up a point before and uh, what I don't want our audience to think that if their practice has taken a, whack at the, taken a whack at the moment, that it means that they've been off purpose, this, that, or the other there too. Um, and at the same time, it would be worth just kind of checking in too, and I, I, I say that so cautiously it, without knowing all of the pieces of the equation there too, where is your headspace? And as things start to unfold before, you know, my hope in kind of bringing these two, you know, wonderful human beings back here is to kind of help you navigate your way through some of this uncertainty moving forwards there too. And just beautiful thoughts finishing up, whether we'll be in COVID times or non-COVID times to always make sure that we're solving the problem of the person in front of us. You know, being a problem solver is quite possibly one of the most valuable things that you can have you positioned as in the world there as, as well. So, um, you know, Martin has loads of trainings, both free and paid, um, that you should be using. Great trainings as well. I'll make sure I kind of link to those in the show notes as well. And um, Tone is just, you go to his Instagram and find out how you can then hook on to his wife and then just follow her, okay? So she's wonderfully <laughs> entertaining. He's not. So she's as a, a general primary value in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. one good value. Talk to somebody else other than me. Yeah, she's witty, <laughs> um, beautiful, uh, intelligent, thoughtful, deep, and um, Tony's a Melbourne supporter. So, uh, <laughs> guys, thanks so much. I, I you know, I, I feel like I would like to do one of these once a quarter um, as a kind of catch up to see where you're at there too. And you know, there's. Um, there's another whole line of thoughts which I'm looking forward to going, uh, touching base with you both in, in a few months' time there too. So uh, last moments, touch base, anything you want to kind of finish on, Tony and Martin, to wind us all up? I think, you know, you, you started to, to talk there about, you know, we don't want to make it seem like anyone who's taken a hit has been off purpose. And I, and I, I think sometimes that whole concept of being on or off purpose, creating results can be challenging. However, 
um, when you drive a car with poor wheel alignment from home to the supermarket, you won't notice it. It's not until you get out in the freeway and you're going hard that the vibrations come. Mm. And I think sometimes in, in um, our profession of chiropractic and certainly in other health professions as well, that, that um, when it's all easy, um, then you know, the cracks can be easily papered over or not even noticed. Yes. But when the pressure is on and the pressure has certainly been on, um, that's when the foundations will be tested. And if you have found that, that uh, your practice has really taken a belting in the last little while, then it may be a, a really good time to sit back and go, right, where, where is, what are the ways where I predictably, reliably create connections that matter? What are the ways where I predictably, reliably demonstrate value? Um, how do I predictably, reliably um, deliver the prom on the promises that I make early on in care? Um, how do we measure progress? How do we um, uh, tell people that we love them in the way that we act? How do we um, respond when someone starts to open up? Um, emotionally what do we do when a man cries on our table what do we you know, how do we handle that because that it's being able to manage those moments and deal with those strategies of um, you know how do we proactively address these things so that we are ready to step up when we need to you know, my taekwondo instructor always said always been eight out of ten because then when you need to be 10, it's not that far away, but no, no, don't live your life as a five, mm. you know? So where, where can we level up in what we do every day so that, that uh, we, can, we can be ready for it when, when the wave hits, because there'll be something else down the track. Yeah. Um, so um, don't be shy to be introspective, look deep, let go perhaps of some of the, the so-called truths that you've been taught in practice and management and communication styles and that sort of thing. And, and go, if this was my mother, brother, sister, father on the table, how would I treat them? And then treat that person that way. Yeah. Good thoughts. Well done. Martin. Yeah, look very similar. I think just to me, uncertainty for people in our practices and uncertainty for us really in some ways, simplifies what it's all about, which is focusing on what you can control and what you can control is how you turn up, how you see your role, how you, the, the, the impact of what you can do by just being willing to be present with people. I think there's the stress and uncertainty of the moment means that those fundamentals are even more important and that the discipline of that focus for us is really the path through that the anxiety, that, that uncertainty of is my practice going to reduce by 50% or is it going to continue to coast along as it is or increase or whatever else, that all that uncertainty, you can almost resolve the impact of it on you by just being focused on what you can do right now that is a positive. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, as I look back kind of through a couple of pages of notes here, a theme kind of runs through all of this, which is it really has been a focus for all three of us on, you know, safety, simplicity and service. Um, yeah. it, it seems to have served us really well. So 
Gang, thanks so much for hanging out with me on this rainy old Saturday afternoon there as well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, I love you both enormously. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, mate. mate. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one with you to apply, implement, systematize, and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now, you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.